welcome to our podcast series sponsored by Bluestone, where I will be chatting with their chief customer officer, James Angus, about all things Bluestone as well as emerging trends in the post COVID 19 lending landscape. Hi guys and welcome to another edition of Talking Finance with myself and I've got James Angus, Chief Customer Officer from Bluestone with me today and we're going to discuss quite a few things. Um, James, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me again. Uh, I really enjoyed the chats we've had to date and uh, as you've sort of suggested before you, yeah, I think we've got some, some quite interesting things to talk about. We definitely do. Um, I guess it's more of a let, let's chat about what we kind of did last year, what kind of happened and where it stays now, well, where, where it is now. Um, I think for the majority of the audience listening in, um, up until the end of the year, people were worried about um, bid or best interest duties. Um, have you seen much impact at all since now, you know, we're in the, in the 2021, it should have been implemented already or what is implemented already? Well, let me let me ask a question of you is there any coincidence that we hit a record broker market share of over 60 percent and we've had broker best interest duty bubbling around for you know what 12 to 18 months now um we did i I think probably not and let let me elaborate you know on that because you're probably scratching your head going what the hell is he talking about (laughs) um look look we always have held a genuine belief that, that brokers have been meeting broker best interest duty for a long, long time. And, mm-hmm. and in many ways, what broker best interest duty was outlying procedural items that you need to, to do, how you gather information, how you assess what, what's suitable or in the consumer's best interest, how you then present that information, how you put forward your recommendations, record keeping and all that sort of stuff. Brokers have been doing that really well for, for a long, long time. I generally believe, though, the the noise around this, which has been going on now since really since um, the Royal Commission, you know, ended, has sort of given consumers a more compelling reason to deal with brokers. And if nothing more, that brokers are following this, um, you know, I guess, requirement and the banks are not. Mm. So it's kind of like a, a really easy decision for somebody that is thinking about using for the broker uh, broker for the best for the first time sorry and they're going okay well brokers need to do this but if, actually if i walk into my branch they don't need to do that oh hang on that doesn't feel right um and so and so brokers have been demonstrating compliance for a long long time they continue to um demonstrate compliance today i think it's raised awareness of of or well, another sort of um, initiative that's raised a lot of awareness in, in the community around what brokers do. Mm. And I generally believe that there is there is a correlation between some of what's been sort of discussed and in the press over the last 12 months and, and the fact now that brokers are enjoying 60% market share. And, and I can tell you for a fact, when I look at our numbers and, and where I think what brokers did in that December quarter, it's mm. going to be north of 60% when we see the next round of market share. Mm, mm. So we're, we're just we're, we're just going north. Like we're, at, as I said, at 60% for the September quarter. You know, we're going to be, we're going to be north of that for the, for the December quarter. Um, 
and, and that's despite all the headwinds that the broker, um, the brokers and industry um, faced last year. With, you know, um, a lot of lenders having massive t- um, turnaround time issues. Um, a lot of people, a lot of businesses, well, sorry, lenders offering massive cashbacks as well as the retention coming in as well. So a lot of brokers were doing a lot of work for essentially nothing because, um, you know, you're trying to move a, a client to a, a better offering, a different lender, but then the, the, the current lender um, basically does count offer that the clients because I will stay. Well, and, and, and make no mistake, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I think what's quite remarkable is that despite all the headwinds last year and COVID being the most obvious one, I think in industry we showed our true colours, our, our ability to pivot really quickly, uh, our ability to, to change the way we work and be smarter and, and, and so on to deliver the very best outcome, you know, for our customers. And when I talk broadly about our customers, as a lender, I'm talking about the broker and, and their client, who is our mutual customer, um, brokers with their customers and, 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 and so on. I just think we've done a remarkable job. What's more amazing is is brokers have never been busier mm. when you when you talk to to brokers about how how things are in their business what's exciting them what are some of the challenges to your point despite some headwinds around turnaround times and a few other bits and pieces they they've never been busier lots of inquiry investors are coming back into the market um, some of our long standing clients are, are desiring more space so they're looking to move out of sydney or melbourne to um you know, an area where they can get that additional space. Interest rates are as low as they've been forever and they will continue to stay low for some time. I think, you know, we've just got several things that are that are lining up that despite all the headwinds, actually there is as many, if not more, tailwinds that are that, that are pushing us along. Mm. That, that segues brilliantly with my next set of questions I was going to ask you then because um, obviously we've seen a record December quarter uh, through the, the broker channel. Um, now, h- how do you see, number one, how do you see the, the economy as a whole tracking? And then on top of that, because, you know, prior to December, I, I saw these, um, you know, uh, this Commonwealth Bank, their analysts actually came out and said that they, they're predicting a 30% drop in prices of property. Um, but yet, we're in the you know first quarter of the new year, and they're going, you know, that's predicting that the um there will be at least a sixteen percent increase in property prices. So, it, it, you know, is, is it them getting it wrong, the media getting it wrong, or, or, or people just don't actually know what's going on right now? But you guys can actually uh, look, see it. I I, I think uh, that there's always been somebody in the market, sort of spruiking that property prices are going to turn. They're you know, possibly shorting the banks. They're sort of wanting the market to turn. They've been saying that for forever, forever and a day, but all, all the sort of data points are, are telling a very different story. Mm. Um, you know, listings are sort of bouncing up and down a bit, but but there's lots of lift, lift, listing activity where, you know, we're seeing um, high clearance rates at auctions. We're seeing through, you know, what CoreLogic and some of the other RP data and other firms are saying that property prices are going up. Um, and and so I think it's all positive. Um, and I think you sort of got to, got to go back to, we've always been a real estate market that's thrived 
on very strong economic fundamentals. Uh, historically, it's been a bit more driven by sort of population, which is less so at the moment. Um, but if you sort of think about where we are with COVID, I think we're one of um, you know five or six countries that have truly suppressed COVID vaccines out. Um, we've managed our borders. Uh, th- that that is a great news story. As I mentioned before, interest rates are at record low and will stay low for some time, and really probably until um, the unemployment rate comes down, which will be again sometime. Um, you know, I can't see interest rates starting to increase until that changes. Mm. But but every, every metric you look at, it's it's positive. GDP is up, household spending is up, business investment is up, public spending is up. I mean, all these key economic drivers are moving in the right direction. So so when you combine that with where interest rates are, uh, I just think it's going to fuel quite quite a strong property market. Absolutely. We've also, um, on top of that, you've got all the, the government grants and schemes um, oh. enticing the first time owners to come into the market as well. Um, so, uh, sorry. And, and I, and I uh, look, our, our government needs to be applauded by the way they quickly stepped in. And whether it's JobKeeper or, or, or other means of supporting the economy, they've done an outstanding job. And, and when you think of public spending, that'll continue. The, the, the government knows that real estate and, and home lending and, and other lending is really a key driver of the economy and, they, and they'll continue to, to provide incentives and other um, you know, means to keep the, the, the housing market uh, trucking along, which is, you know, which is in some ways kind of nice to know that we're going to have, as I said, you know, lots more tailwinds behind us than, than headwinds. Mm-hmm. So um, with all these things um, taken into account, right? so uh, you guys as Bluestone, have you, what things would you say that you've put into your policies, your products, which may be you know, catering to these changes or these coming changes? Um, I, I think I'll, I'll take a step back. What I meant was that you know there's you know for, there's a sector in the in the economy which is the self-employed sector, the, especially mm-hmm. the businesses running, um, you know, uh, well, some of them obviously faced a lot of struggles when there were shutdowns, um, and then you know there are some lenders at the time that restricted lending to those particular industries, mm-hmm. um, and then and they also not just restricted lending but then actually increased the requirements for what needs to be presented before they actually provided uh, an approval. Have you, are you, are you guys looking at that? And then are you looking to, uh, is it sort of easing? Do you see that easing or do you see other things? Oh, look, hundred uh, percent. I mean, we, as we've talked about before, you know, we, we were one of the, I would say one of the early lenders when COVID hit to, to sort of affect somewhat of a slowdown through policy changes, including um, restricting our exposure to, to some industries like hospitality and travel and, and, and so on. So first thing we, we, we did, which, which was, I think we started making these changes in, in, in May, early June, was to remove those restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we sort of continued to see pockets of, opportunity and we evolved our 
policy around those. And to put that into perspective, I think at this point, um, over the last six or seven months, we've probably made in excess of 30 policy changes. Oh, wow. um, so some of those are removing you know, those restrictions, but, but some are actually doing things today that we didn't do pre-COVID. I'll give you two examples. Um, uh, we do 90% in Brisbane now. We weren't doing 90% in Brisbane uh, pre-COVID. Um, uh, on Thursday, we'll be announcing to the market that we'll be moving to 85% uh, LVR for our investment loans. We're, we've always been a lender that has capped investment uh, lending to 80%. Wow. Um, so we've increased LVRs, we've increased loan amounts. Um, and, I guess, and I guess we're taking a very sort of pragmatic view to where we see the opportunities. If, if, if we think we can do it as well or better than the incumbents, um, mm-hmm. if we think it's the right decision in terms of risk reward for our people and our shareholders and our customers, um, we will do it. And, and if we can line it all up, operationally, um, you know, we will do it. And, and it comes back to doing those things well. I, I think, I mean, we're growing at 100% month on month at this stage, which is just insane when you, when you think about it. Yeah. Um, but we continue to do the simple things well. We continue to have a BDM team that is responsive, that is there for their brokers and has time to workshop deals and, and get it right the first time. We're continuing to push out, you know, one day to two day SLAs on uh, on new business, um, and we continue to have a team, and particularly a, a, a credit team, that uh, is on the front foot, picks up the, the the phone, engages with brokers, and tries to make it as easy as possible, um, and, and and that all comes together nicely for us. We, we've just done our quarterly. Uh, broker NPS survey where we, we, we go out to our brokers and, and ask them around how satisfied you know they are with us. We've got the highest score ever, plus 66, wow. um, which is just you know amazing when you think plus 70 is sort of world class. Mm, mm. And, and what's been really interesting is that the, 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 the two things are almost at 100% um, are our BDMs and our credit team. Um, and, and brokers are telling us, they're valuing the human touch. They're valuing the common sense decisions. They're valuing the quick turnaround times. So I think policy is one thing. You've got to have the right policy to be in the game, but you can have a good policy, but if you're not doing those simple things well, BDMs, turnaround times, credit people, Mm. you're not going to get any business. So what's working well for us is we have the right policy, we're competitively priced, and we're doing those simple things well. And I think... Just for the audience listening in here, um, you, you, most of them would probably not know or realise how gigantic the amount of policy changes is that you said. Because you, you said 30. 30 may not sound like a lot, but in most banking years, a bank would probably only do one. Oh, exactly. <laughs> oh, I think, I think if, you, if you said to some, some bank you know, people that sit on credit committees or, or put together these papers and you said, okay, well, the next six months we're going to do 30 policy changes mm. they would like run a million miles because they just realize how hard that is but i think well they think that you're crazy well either you're crazy but i think it sort of is a bit indicative of of this organization in, in in the way we think about 
those sort of items which traditionally have been seen as hard or mm-hmm. or bureaucracy or call it what you will. Um, you know, we've got a great team here, pe- people that are working together to get the best outcome for our brokers and customers. Um, and and common sense prevails. If, if, if we can do the work, work to say, um, I'll give you another example of this in a minute. Um, if, if you do the work and you can put forward a strong business case that stands up to scrutiny, um, you do the numbers, you onboard expertise to, to help you with this, um, you know, we'll, we'll get a unanimous support to do it. Uh, another example of that is um, we're, we're going to be moving down the path of, of offering our brokers AVMs. Now, what, what, what's quite amazing about that, and I think this is really a bit about competency, it's a bit about sort of relationships with, with your investor network who, who effectively fund, you know, your originations, mm-hmm. um, your internal stakeholders, your board, you know, all of those important stakeholders and, and constituents, um, you know, we will be only the, the, the second non-bank, you know, in this market to, you know, to offer AVMs to, to their brokers. That's, that's now, massive. What, what, why are we doing it? Mm-hmm. We're doing it because it speeds up the process. It's because brokers want us to, to, to move away and, 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 and remove those sort of friction points. And, 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 and let's call it for what it is. Full valuations are a bit of a friction point takes time, requires an inspection, um, and we're not going to be doing it for all our valuations, but we've sort of found a part of our business where it makes sense to do it. We've still got to um, operationalise this. This is not something that's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to take us a little bit of time to, to, to make the necessarily internal changes from a technology perspective to, to, to make this happen, but... Um, we're just challenging the status quo. Like we're just saying, well, hang on. Why is it that um, we don't have more lenders offering uh, AVMs? Is, it, is there something like why is it? And you sort of challenge the status quo, and you sort of realise, well, there's nothing preventing us from doing yeah. it. Um, let, let's partner with the right people. Let's do the work. Let's run the numbers. Let's do the analysis. Let's build a strong business case and work out where it makes sense in our business. And the good news is, like with all those changes we've made, um, you know, we think uh, AVMs like 85% LVR for investment loans, like 90% LVR in Brisbane, it makes sense. It makes sense for us. Our brokers are wanting us to do more of this type of business. Um, and, and and we think it's a, you know, a smart decision for us. So, but we're still in a COVID situation as well. So the AVM, um, sorry, for the for the other audience, um, it's, it's basically a desktop valuation. Um, yeah, so, that's right. So, you know, we've, especially in Victoria, we've, we've, you know, had basically snap lockdowns being announced. That causes exactly. so much stress and problems, right? So, uh, 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 you know, absolutely. But I think also, you know, what's changed. I mean, I was a part of the team that, that, at Macquarie that brought in AVMs many years ago. Um, you know, I was in the US and, and Canada with Macquarie sort of over 10 years ago now where, where AVMs have been a, a big part of that market for, for a long, long time is, is the models are better, there's more data available. And actually interesting when you do the work and you actually line up 
the results of doing a heap of regression analysis around AVMs versus a heap of regression analysis around um, full inspections, mm. actually there there is, in part, and I don't want to go into detail because I'll bore everyone to death, um, but, but for the most part, there are less errors mm. and, and, and less variance in an AVM. And you know why? There's no human error. <laughs> exactly right. There's no person mm. involved. So p- p- people are subjective. They have biases. They have opinions. Um, and sometimes that urge is, is, is so strong that they just can't, um, they just ignore what the data is telling them. Um, so we're really excited about that. And I think that's what you will see what brokers will see a lot more from Bluestone, challenging the status quo, do, doing things that a lender like us has not done before, um, and uh, and I guess pivoting where we see the opportunity, and the opportunity will always be driven by where brokers tell us it is. Cool. All right. Thanks for that, James. So um, going back to other, I suppose you call it, uh, industry-leading use uh, in the recent weeks, um, Effectively, we've had loan market that came out. I don't know where to announce that they were buying the uh, three mm-hmm. um, advantage or navigator. Um, yeah, I, I watched your uh, podcast with with Sam. I enjoyed yeah, that. Thank one. you. Um, that I, I, I that one was um, it was quite funny because I, I said to Sam at the time, I said, "Wow, that's one of the best kept secrets in the world, right?" Yes. Um, yes. The other one that wasn't so well kept was the connective uh, merger with AFG uh, merger. Purchase, yes. uh, sorry, AFG's purchase of connective, well, you know, whatever. Um, but that was going, you know, the chatter on that was uh, going on for a couple of years. There was even, it was even in mm. um, what do you call it, the gossip section of the AFR, right? But that said, you know, we'll move that to one side because that hasn't been completed yet. But I understand that you guys are doing something pretty interesting uh, with, um, with one of those two aggregators. Yeah, yeah. I think, look, just a, a comment, if I may. Um, I think, you know, hat, hats off to, to Sam and his team. that They moved quickly on, you know, that, that acquisition. I think it's a great thing for our industry. Um, and I think if my memory serves me well, the AFG Connective merger was probably first announced in the middle of 2019. Mm-hmm. So 18 months ago. So there's a saying in that M&A space that time kills deal. Mm-hmm. So who, who knows what's going to happen with AFG and Connective. And I think we just need to move on um, and, and play what's in front of us. And, and to your point, um, we saw an opportunity just, I mean, I've got a long history with, with Connective through my uh, Macquarie mm-hmm. days. Um, and, and we saw a bit of an opportunity around the, the connective business, how they're investing in their their, their brand and their branded offering, um, and s- sort of got together, workshopped and brainstormed, you know, a few sort of different ideas around how we can do white label and in inverted commas. I don't like that word, but white label in a very different mm-hmm. way. Um, and and we sort of came up with some some interesting and unique new, unique ways of you know, of, of partnering together of some things that we've done, um, you know, historically. And sort of we announced uh, in November last year that uh, Connective and, and Bluestone have, have come together to offer a new Connective brand at home loan offering called Connective Elevate. Um, 
which went sort of live and and sort of officially launched in in November. Um, and and where it's a bit different is one is in just in the the, the overall uh, product you know construct. Typically, those uh, legacy uh, offerings or, or white label partnerships tend to be you know very skewed towards Prime. Mm-hmm. So where we're uh, working with Connective to make the full uh, suite of products available to Connective brokers, which has been well received. Um, but I think the other thing we've done differently is that um, I think it's 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 a very it's very different to the traditional white label model, where the the lender or the funder just pays the um, white label partner a few extra basis points, you know, in commission. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have a genuine partnership. You know, we're 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 working together from the top of the funnel to the bottom of bottom of the funnel. Um, we're we're working with the connective team hand in hand to educate their brokers to to show them that there is a um, other options out there. And I think the other thing we've done is is surrounded that relationship with good people. You know, I said before, do the simple things well. One of those is you know as good people, and we were ecstatic to secure Krista Malkin, who uh, you know, who many people know from from her prior days with with you know Westpac and Bank of Melbourne and, and Bank West and so on. Um, and and having good people on board, having people know what they're doing, understand the broker, have good relationships with an organization like Connective make, makes all the difference. So and, and I think also for us what we're really proud of is sort of Connective as an organization making a decision the Bluestone is the right partner for them around their own branded offering. I, I think says um, volume for what we're doing and how some of our people, uh, our partners are seeing mm-hmm. us from a capability and, and a credibility perspective. Excellent. So obviously my my next question that will be, will you be approaching other aggregators to, uh, for the same thing? Uh, yeah, that, 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 that's a good question. The, the, the short answer is no, mm. and, and let me explain. Let me explain that. Um, we'll we'll always be open to to doing something unique and different, somewhat bespoke, and that works for you know a particular partner. What we don't want to do, which is I think where white label in its iteration, if we think of the iteration that sort of mortgage management to white label, I think a big mistake in the evolution of white label is that many of the funders, including Macquarie, um, would give that white label capability to anyone. And so you actually take something quite special and it becomes just homogenous and everybody has it. Um, So so we're not actually today looking to go out to market and do lots Mm -hmm. of these. we we want to keep what we're doing with connective uh, sort of unique and special. We we want them to be able to leverage it in a way that's a competitive advantage for them. Um, no no doubt we will do something similar with over time with maybe another large aggregator um, or, or or another uh, sort of brand partner. But I, I don't think it'll be an exact, you know, replication of, of what we've done with Connective. What we did for Connective is we built a solution for them. 
And again, a lot of organisations wouldn't have been able mm. to do that. Um, if another opportunity comes along, if we think we can build something that is that is unique for them and meets their needs, and and if we collectively believe that gives them a competitive advantage, that's kind of what we're looking to do. We just don't want to sort of put a bundle around this and offer it to everybody. I think that just um, that just waters down your your offering and, and and you lose that edge so that that's kind of our philosophy around that right that's now. fine then I'll, i won't approach you for a finance and coffee landing product for another 10 years <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um no james thank you so much for your time today um and um looking forward to because i'm I know, I know krista i'm going to try and, and reach out to her and see if we can actually do a, a, a film a segment of some sort um yeah, yep. yeah, I think um, we're very keen uh, for you to get together with Krista and she can tell, you know, her story and, and, and she can provide a different lens on what's happening with Connective and how that's all, all going. Um, and, uh, yeah, that'd be great. Well, James, again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, speak soon. Awesome. Thank you.